Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Friday, January the 1st. Happy New Year, 2021, as 2020 is in the past. I don't know what really changes, uh, but at least it's over, and now we're moving forward. And uh, I'm going to try to paraphrase here a quote that uh, my wife had shared with me from somebody on Instagram, and it was, uh, talking about the job of 2021. It's like, you don't got to be perfect. You don't got to be amazing. You just have to be better than 2020. So please don't fuck this up. And I thought that was uh, comical. Uh, so again, I'm going to dig in here uh, a couple different routes. Today's episode will be slightly different uh, from the norm. But before I forget, this podcast is brought to you by our homies at Athletic Greens. You guys already know, it's the one thing I take every single day. I never miss. The travel packs are easy. They go with me. Uh, it's the best tasting greens. It's the only one I'm going to drink consistently. No matter how busy I get, I'll never make an excuse. I just rip it, put it in water, and I slam it. Easy as that. If you're interested... And you know you're a person who, A, doesn't eat enough vegetables, doesn't get enough greens in, wants to have a better immune system, wants to have better gut health, better digestion, better liver function, hormone function. Uh, honestly, I feel an energy boost as well. And just literally do what's best for your body. It's one of the best investments you can make. I can hook you guys up with a year free supply. Yes, a one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs as well with your first order. And if you're really on the fence, like, well, Jeremy, it's a big investment. Shoot me a DM, send me an email, contact me through the website, wherever you can stop me on the street. I don't give a shit. I'll have Monica send you a pack right to your front door. You can try it. I don't care if you live in the United States or Canada or wherever you've at. We've sent these things all over the planet because I want to help you guys the best way I know how, and that's giving you good information, education, and then things that I believe in and take every single day. So if you're interested, hit me up. Otherwise, the site is always athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott for a year free supply of vitamin D and the five free travel packs with order one. How simple is that? And the podcast is all to you. Ooh, also, I can't even talk today. I stayed up way too late. Um, brought to you by my homies over at Beam CBD. Uh, you guys know it's the only CBD product I take. There's no THC in it, so it doesn't get you high, but it does help me. Honestly, I do think the inflammation part of it is starting to come into play, so I do not have nearly as much inflammation and irritation as I used to have, but I do find the quality of my sleep is the best, and that's probably the biggest thing is I am able to sleep through the night. Uh, the amount of times I get up has decreased drastically. I think when I track it, it used to be about 18 times per night, and now it's about four. And those are basically just to pee or if my dog uh, is barking. So if you guys are interested in trying any of the Beam CBD products, I can always get you a discount code for 20% off. And right now, if you hit me up, I can send you a link for three free nights of the Beam uh, CBD Dream product, which, again, has the melatonin in there. It has a theanine, which is the amino acid that promotes relaxation, calmness, and helps you improve your sleep quality. So again, it's not habit forming, and you can try it literally 100% for free. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'm actually wearing this nice Beam uh, Lulu hoodie that they sent me, which is super cool. So thanks. Uh, but again, if you guys want to try the packs for free, it's on me. The tincture, the balm, the salve, everything, I can always get you 20% off if you dig it. So that is where we're at. Now, on to today's podcast. We are going to be talking about the 18 habits of eventual millionaires. And I parallel a lot of things obviously on the site to fitness and finance because I do 
see they mirror themselves uh, in many ways. Now, I do think the finance aspect of life is much easier than the fitness aspect of life. And I've talked about this before. Uh, if you're pulling statistics, there's about 12 million millionaires in America. I don't think there's 12 million super, super fit, healthy people in America. And that's crazy to think about. But if you're looking at, you know, obviously the health of America and where we rank, I believe when you look at the healthiest countries, we are, uh, last I checked, like 35 on the list, which is crazy. Now, we have a, a, a better life expectancy than most. I think we do better with uh, screenings and blood work and those things than a lot of other countries, but we are not the healthiest. I've always said this. We have the healthiest 1% of people, um, but we also have the bottom half too, and so hence the issue. But um, I do find a lot of these same habits they're going to bleed over to one another. And that's why I like to talk about it. And I was a dude who I grew up completely broke, had no money, education, no nothing. I didn't know it was possible. And now, obviously, here I sit today. And it's the same thing of why I got into fitness. I, you know, I had this gift of being naturally athletic. And then I worked and worked and worked and improved on the skills around it. And then I, you know, ate and drank like shit. And, you know, you drink and you do drugs, the things people do in college. And then I found myself you know, having to relearn all of these things. And so that's why I want to touch on it. And honestly, I think when you look at a well-balanced life, I'm not a money person and I don't harp on it. It's not what drives me to do this every single day. But there is a certain amount you need to feel safe and secure and take care of your family. And for a lot of people, even if you love what you do, you want to get paid for it, whether that be like with, you know, emotional income, with praise and feedback and this, this sense of giving, which I do think that's the most important thing. But you also have to keep your lights on. You also got to fix your car when it breaks down. You also probably got to pay for your kids, you know, uh, ballet lessons or whatever your thing is. So it's important if you're going to a job every single day and you're trading your time for money. And if we've established your time is probably your most valuable resource because you cannot renew it. You can't get it back. Once you spend it, it's gone. Why would we not manage the money we earn with spending our time properly and wisely? So we don't have to, A, maybe work as hard or at least we get some freedom. Uh, we have a chance to do things different as opposed to always feeling like you have to be trading time for money and spending a time away from your friends and family and other things. If you love what you do, great, but it's still important to manage it properly, if that makes sense, because the more you acquire for people, if you're a good person, you're just going to do more good stuff. I don't believe money is the root of all evil. I don't think money turns you into an asshole. I don't think it changes you. It just exposes who you are and puts it on a bigger pedestal and heightens the platform. So if you're a really good human and you're not a millionaire today and you become a multimillionaire in five years, 15 years, 22 years, you're just going to do good with that money. You're going to help more people. You're going to give back more. You're just going to be a better version of yourself and have a bigger reach. If you're an asshole and just a greedy person who's obsessed with things, it's only going to heighten that. It won't change anything. That's why I say money doesn't change people. It just exposes us to who we are. And, you know, if you stay true to your roots, you're going to be okay. Um, so that's what I'm diving into. Uh, before I forget, our 47-day transformation is kicking off here, you guys, in eight days. So if you're interested in really making a massive change in 2021 in terms of how you eat, how you train, how you sleep, how you think about your habits. We talk about finances in that group as well. It's all the pillars of fitness, the physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional, and how to kind of live this well-balanced, healthy life for the long term. So not just a, a quick fix. We're talking about a sustainable lifestyle change here. 
The 47 Day Transformation is for you. The link's in my Instagram bio, 47daytransformation.com. And I can get you guys a podcast discount code. If you are interested, please hit me up. And that is kicking off here January the 11th, but you have eight days from now uh, to register because we got to we gotta get people in there and get this bad boy rocking in 2021. So just wanted to mention it quickly. Now, on to today's message. Before I kick into the 18 Habits of Eventual Millionaires, which is the original piece came from uh, James Altucher, which has put out a lot of good stuff. I say eventual millionaires because it might be someone who isn't a millionaire yet, but they're doing most of these habits or they're doing all of these habits, and you're going to find yourself in that boat. And that's what I want to talk about here. It doesn't got to be if you're listening today and you're like, well, you know, why do I want to listen to this? Uh, because, you know, I'm dead broke and I'm never going to be there. Dude, I said the same things years ago. I I try to be as completely transparent as I can, obviously, with you guys. And I mean this when I was just graduating from college. Uh, the world is melting down. You know, you're talking like the financial crisis, uh, like 07, 08. It's uh, jobs are few and far between. I don't really have any skills. Um, obviously, I have a degree and I have these accolades like graduated cum laude, all this awesome stuff. But I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't know what I want to do. And you're competing in this giant job market. And I grew up with nothing. So when I moved here to the Valley, I've talked about it before, I had a negative net worth. And so if we're, first of all, let's just define like what a, what a millionaire is, what a billionaire is. So everyone listening is not confused. A billionaire is not somebody who makes a billion dollars a year. It's somebody who has a net worth when you add up everything they own versus everything they owe if in the everything they own column is a positive billion dollars they are a billionaire michael jordan i believe has a maybe one and a half to two billion dollar net worth now that doesn't mean michael jordan makes two billion dollars a year but he is a billionaire mark cuban is another example i think mark cuban is like a four billion dollar net worth that doesn't mean mark cuban makes a billion dollars a year in fact none of them have made a billion dollars ever in a year, I don't think. Now, some of the bigger dudes, yeah, for sure, if you're talking about uh, the Jeff Bezos of the world, Bill Gates and stuff, because once you're at that point, the critical mass, the money just is going to start compounding like crazy, which is for a, a different podcast altogether if we talk about retirement and those things. And that's how most people tend to get there. And so a millionaire is the same way. So a person who's a millionaire does not make a million dollars per year. In fact, very few people do. And that's where I think the confusion is when people drive around and they look at homes and they see people, they think, oh, well, Rick's a millionaire. He makes one, two, three, four million dollars a year. No, he doesn't. He's acquired a net worth of one, two, three, four, five million dollars over time because you take all of his assets, everything he is owning versus anything he owes. And if the after you do the math and you break it down, he has a surplus basically, or he's in the positive over a million dollars, you're a millionaire. There's no such thing as a net worth billionaire, a net worth millionaire. It's just you're a millionaire or you're a billionaire. So hopefully that makes sense to everybody. And I know it gets confusing because we've blanketed these terms and we've coined these terms. And I say it because in the entrepreneur world, people will throw out numbers. I want to make $100,000 a year. And I'm all about having great goals. It's, you know, January 1st, New Year's resolutions, that's great. But what does that really mean? And people will throw out there, well, you know, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to make a million dollars a year. I'm like, okay, that's cool. 
for one, do you understand like the percentages of even being an entrepreneur or starting a business on your own or being an individual, just making money and just surviving and paying your bills and maybe saving a little bit extra is a pretty amazing feat. So anybody out there who's hustling and grinding and you're on your own, um, if your business isn't making a million dollars a year, that's okay. 99.9% of them do not do that. It is a miracle you're even existing on your own outside of the corporate entity. It is not easy to do. Um, I've lived it for well over a decade now. And I share that just to give some context because when people are thinking about how much money they make a year, the top 1% earners in America, I believe it's like $446,000, which is a lot of money for sure. But if you're a 1% earner and you're making 400 plus K a year, that is a far cry from a million dollars a year, over double. And every 100,000 you go up, the game changes drastically. So I just want to paint the picture when I say these are the habits of eventual millionaires, not people who are going to make a million dollars a year because that is not what a millionaire is. Those people tend to, you know, be something completely different. It's you having a net worth of a million dollars when you take into account like your house, if you have retirement investments, if you have money outside of, you know, retirement accounts, just normal mutual funds, if you own, you know, tractors and vehicles, if you own commercial real estate, if you have a rental, that's what we're talking about here. And that's where I think people get very, very confused. So hopefully we've uh, erased any of that. And I wanted to share this because I think for anybody out there listening, you might find yourself in a weird boat, especially in 2020 for sure with job uncertainty and certain things and you might feel like you're hopeless, you're not. Because when I moved here a decade ago, having a negative net worth, and I mean, I had about 20, I think I had just under 2,500 bucks in my bank account. So I didn't, I'm 20, how old am I? 24 years old. I don't have retirement money. I don't have savings. I got 2,400 bucks. That's it. Uh, but I had just got LASIK eye surgery. And so I couldn't obviously afford it because I was a broke ass. And so I took out uh, care credit, which is essentially like a interest-free loan for a year for like $4,000. And I think I could pay some of it, but I think I still owed them like three grand. So if you added up everything I owned, which was a car, well, then I, what was my car worth? Not much. Basically, my net worth was like negative 2000 bucks because I still owed money and I didn't have any assets, you know, and a car is a depreciating asset. So for me to go from there to here, it is possible. So if you're listening, you lost a job, things are weird, you have student loans, you made some mistakes with auto loans, and you have a giant mortgage, you have time. Time is going to be on your side here. Uh, you, you have to take action. But if you do these 18 habits over time, I believe you'll eventually find yourself being financially independent, financially successful, and you will be a millionaire. And it's crazy to say, it's crazy to think, because there was a time when I didn't think I'd ever be able to even, you know, buy a house, you know, and I always was in the mindset of like, well, if you save 20% and I was going to buy, let's say a house for $200,000, which in Scottsdale does not exist. Uh, but where I grew up, it does. And that would have been a really nice place. Um, I'm like, how could I ever save $40,000 at one time? Like, it just seemed impossible because I came from this mindset that was very limiting because I'd never seen anybody else do it. I never heard anybody else do it. I hadn't been surrounded by people who have, have done it before. And once you start to do that and see that, it changes your belief system. And that's what I'm sharing this for all of you out there. If you're listening and finances is a thing that you tend to struggle with or you haven't had much education with, just know if a dumbass like me 
who doesn't have a business background, uh, didn't grow up with money, didn't have anybody educate them, if I can figure it out and learn all the things I've learned today to get to this point, you can do the same. That's why I believe this episode is important. But before I kick into it uh, in great detail, I'm going to switch directions here. And I say this all the time. I'm not a money guy. It doesn't drive me. It doesn't wake me up at 4 a.m. If I only wanted to make money, I would run this business completely different. We would give out way less free shit. Um, I wouldn't spend a lot of time here with people because you're not limited on the Internet, but it's not as fun for me. Um, Obviously, I need money to survive, but it's not the number one driver. And I don't want to get lost and make it sound like, oh, Jeremy's just talking about how we can – you know, get super rich. It's not that. It's how you can get safe, how you can feel secure, and how you can just set yourself and your family up in a better position in case, you know, an emergency happens, or if you want to, you know, maybe pay for your kid's college, or if you want to actually retire one day, or if your hot water heater goes out, um, you can pay for it. It's not going to put you into a panic, because I don't think the average American has a thousand dollars in an emergency fund. I haven't looked up the stats. I could have pulled them up for this podcast, but I stayed up till midnight, actually, which is rare for me. So I'm on the struggle bus today. But I don't think the average American has $1,000 in an emergency fund, which is pretty frightening because um, the day Heather got um, furloughed, like in March, and the day we closed down the gym, and this is like when the whole world's shutting down, uh, my hot water heater actually went out. And I think it was like twelve or 1400 bucks that day. And that wasn't fun, bearing all the news that day. I felt like a kick in the nuts, but I just gave him the money and paid for it because we set aside things to put us in a position to be successful financially over time. And is it painful up front? Sure. It's not fun saving and investing money. You're not going to touch today, tomorrow, and the next day. It's way more fun to go out, uh, you know, and probably spend it on a bunch of stuff. But we're trying to live a life where there's not as much stress, not as much anxiety because it's hard enough as it is. And I think just having money there does make life a little bit easier uh, in that regard. And so I want to share this from Josh Milburn, who's part of The Minimalist, which I've talked about before. He wrote a really good piece, and I just want to give this episode some balance, uh, if you will, before I start to ramble like crazy. And he wrote this in an email that came earlier this week, and he wrote, I quote, We have too much. Too much stuff. Too much stress. Too many obligations. Yet we don't have enough. Not enough time, not enough money, not enough energy. Looks like we've stockpiled the wrong things, and that's why we don't have enough of the right things. Of course, right and wrong are just moralizing constructs. They're not right or wrong, material possessions. The reality is we have too many things that increase our misery. As a result, we lack composure, contentment, and calmness. Soaking in suffering... We glimpse occasional moments of happiness. We attempt to reprise these moments by acquiring new possessions. We try to fix the misery by gathering objects that make us happy. We act as if it's an inventory problem, as if this Instagrammable couch or rug will spark joy in our life, as if that indoor planter or vertical bookcase will complete us, as if the new shirt or skinny jeans will just make us feel new and whole. Subtract the wrong things. Add the right things. That's the key, right? Yes, that's the key to anxiety, restlessness, and dissatisfaction. We can't consume our way out of discontentment. Well, we can 
but only for a fleeting moment. It's not like, you know, a drug addiction. They're very similar. We can purchase the initial pleasure, but in doing so, we also purchase future pain. An addict is never fixed after getting his or her fix. For after the spark of pleasure, misery always awaits. There are no exceptions. Pleasure and misery are two sides of the same coin. We'll never have all the right things because there are no right things. That's a lie we've been sold by advertisers and by the confused influencers on social media who don't know any better. Yes, some objects may enhance our lives, but only after we subtract the attachment that gets in the way. Peace cannot be packaged and placed on a conveyor belt. It's buried beneath the hoard that we've added to our lives. The path to misery is cobbled with addiction. The path to peace, excuse me, the path to peace is uncovered with subtraction. Now, obviously that's for the minimalist series uh, where I've talked about it before. The first time I ever heard of minimalism, which unknowingly, uh, when you're broke, you kind of practice it because you don't have any money for stuff. And I was not a, I'm not a big hoarder of things anyway. But uh, the first time I ever heard of minimalism was uh, even before these guys. I think the initial dude, I heard he packed up his entire house and he put everything in boxes. And anything, anytime he needed something, he'd go to the box and he'd grab it. Like whether it be a spatula or shoes or a jacket. And after six months, anything that he did not use, he sold and got rid of. And had the premise of, well, if I haven't used it in a half a year, I don't need it. And obviously, if you're living in the Midwest, it might be different because the, the weather is, you know, it goes from 88 and humid to negative 10. But you get the point here. It's like, you know, we acquire so many things. And again, I've said this before, to quote the great Tyler Durden, and if you've not seen Fight Club, please see Fight Club. But we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. It's crazy. And so, I had to share that because I'm not doing this episode so you become a greedy asshole and go try to just, you know, work away and acquire money for your life. But all of you work, all of you have jobs, and there's certain things you can do to put yourself in a position to be, you know, financially successful and to be taken care of. And if I can do it, all of you can do it as well. The thing I got probably luckiest with was meeting some of these very influential people here. Um, there's a guy, Brent Orm here, runs his own business, helped me a ton. Uh, a lot of good advice from him. There's a dude, Mike D here, a lot of good advice from him. There's a lot of guys I've met here over, you know, the course of the last decade or so who they just share their stories and you get to hear from them. And I've worked with a ton of people, uh, you know, over the past probably 15 years and you get to see what they did right. And you get to see what they did wrong. And that's probably my benefit. Now, a lot of these guys are giving me great advice. And then they'll also share with me their horror stories. Hey, we used to live in this neighborhood. I had a $70,000 vehicle. And then the economy tanked and I lost everything. I've heard a lot of those stories. Or when everything was riding high, I had this giant credit line and then things crashed. So the education I've got by just listening has been priceless. And that's why I say I can't thank these guys enough because I wouldn't be here without that. And then I took it in my, you know, Terminator like, you know, serial killer brain and went crazy with it and started to go deep into, okay, well, 
how do I get my ass out of debt? How do I become a millionaire? So I'm like, I start investing in audiobooks. I start going to conferences and I start surrounding myself with these people. And it's really basic information. That's why I wish it was taught in school. That's why I feel an obligation to do this today. If I would have heard of this information today, and I'm not going to go super technical here. I'm going to go basic habits that I've seen of the millionaires I've worked with here, things I've done myself and things I've learned along the way. If they would couple that with, hey, here's what basic retirement accounts are, and here's how compounding works. If we're talking like the rule of, you know, 72, if you guys know what I'm talking about, if your uh, retirement accounts are, you know, typically at 10%, I believe, um, returns on the investments, they'll double about every seven years. I think right now, if you look at most of the returns for like the S&P, it's probably every eight and a half years. But regardless, if your investments do great or do shitty, they're going to double every decade. So meaning if today you're listening to me and you're 30 years old and you got $100,000 like in an account, and if you didn't do anything to it, it should double by the time you're 40, which you got 200. And then by the time you're 50, you'd have 400. And then by the time you know, you're 60, you'd have 800 if you didn't add any money to it. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So there's little things you can learn along the way. Technical skills of how compound interest is going to work, technical skills of how much you should put into retirement. But these are the habits that even if you, you know, didn't know anything before, if you just start to do these, you're going to be financially okay. So I had to preface that by saying I'm not telling you to be a greedy asshole who's all about money. I just want you to do things that are going to put you and your family in a position to be financially independent and successful and feel confident with money. And you shouldn't feel bad about it. If you make money and you invest it and you do well, congrats. Um, it's not greedy. There's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't make you a bad person, especially for me. The fact that I can now give back to charities, to auctions, to adoptive families, to St. Mary's food bank, to the communities that I live in and that, uh, to, you know, breast cancer awareness and the things that are important to me. Um, I'm happy to do so. I feel like if, you know, not like I have an obligation to do it, but it makes me feel good. And I get so much more out of doing that then obviously driving a fancy car because clearly I do not uh, do that. So with that said, we're going to go over 18 habits of eventual millionaires. Number one, say no. When you say no, you have more time to read, to learn, to sleep, to ask questions, to contact family members, to contact loved ones, to invest in yourself. Now, these are habits in general. They don't have to be all finance-based, but you can't be a yes person. You can't say yes to everything. You can't stretch yourself too thin. You have to learn when to say no. And if there's something important to you, which if that's paying off your house, getting out of you know student loan debt, paying off your credit cards, saving so much for retirement, it's okay to say no to certain things. I'm not telling you to live like a hermit. I'm not telling you to never take a vacation. I'm not telling you never to go out to eat or drink a coffee, which if you're watching on YouTube, you can see me drinking my fancy coffee here. You do that, you know, if you have money and you can afford it, but it's okay not to do everything if you know you have to put yourself in a position to be successful. My wife and I paid off our house overall in about seven and a half years of a, you know, 30-year loan, and really we paid off a majority of it, or a big chunk of it anyway, in about 14 months, and we just put our head down and we grinded, and I said no to a lot of things, and uh, that's okay to do. It's okay to do things in the short term that are going to pay off for you long term. And this is not me patting myself on the back, but like, I don't ever have to pay off my house again. I did it once and it's done. And was that 14 months, what I would say, exciting? No, it definitely uh, wasn't the most fun I've ever had. It was the most I'd ever worked. 
until this pandemic shit. Now, this year is the most I've ever worked. They just happened to back up to each other. I paid my house off in February. Welcome to the pandemic in March. So if I didn't say no along the way, I never would have got there. I still would have had a huge chunk to pay off if I would have said yes to every dinner and every vacation and every little thing. And I shared this before. I almost bought a truck uh, the September before. So this would be September of... 19. I almost bought a truck that Dave had found me uh, that was a gem. It was a 2014 uh, Ford Raptor Gen 1. I mean, clean. It was in Ohio. So he was still, Dave is uh, married to my mom. So Dave and Janet is my mother. Uh, Dave is her partner. Dave's been around forever. He's family. It's like a, like a dad dude, you know? So he's uh, found this Raptor. Uh, this 2014. It was super clean. Uh, black, slow miles, and uh, I almost pulled the trigger on it, but the two problems, one, it doesn't fit in my garage because it's so big, and two, I hadn't paid off my house yet, and I knew if I did, and the Raptors are not cheap, by the way, if you guys don't know, Ford Raptor, even the Gen 1s, you're talking forty, fifty, dollars $60,000, a lot of money, um, I had the money, but I'm like, oh, if I do this, it's going to slow down, it's going to take away from my other funds, what I want to do this year, my plans, and I'm not going to pay my house off nearly as quick. And by the time it was in Ohio, so they'd have to basically ship it to me, taxes, everything. I'm looking at a huge bill. And uh, I said no. I thought about it. And uh, it turns out to be the best choice for sure. Um, obviously, in hindsight of this year, we've had with all the things that have not went correctly. And so I said no to it for sure. And it was just delaying gratification for something bigger. So to the point... It's okay to say no, even though it's uh, painful up front. And then, by the way, I did that like on a Tuesday and I drove here and I saw like Scottsdale for sure. And it's just like maybe because your brain is synced to notice it. I saw like five like Raptors in the way here, Gen 1s, Gen 2s. It's painful for sure. But again, it's only stuff. And uh, would it have changed my life? No, not at all. Actually, probably more stress and anxiety because I spent all this money and then the world, you know, went to shit and it wasn't part of my plan. So it's okay. And they're just things. And at the end of the day, like, does stuff really change my life? Like, I'm still going to drive here and park it and go to work. Like, yeah, I could do uh, some other fun adventures and things with it. But, you know, it's okay to say no. And it's okay to delay gratification for a different day. Number two, love, which is probably weird but uh, to hear me say that. But love, it's the only universal religion, right? This is the only thing that's worth surrendering to. This is the fuel you know, for the idea muscle, if you will. And what I mean by love to me, it's like, I think you have to love what you do on, on some capacity. You might not love your career where you make most of your money, but if you have a, a side hustle or a passion project, you need to love that for sure. If you want it to grow and if you want to get the most out of it. And I do think the most people I find to be financially successful, at least can do it long term, they tend to kind of love what they do because they get lost in the process. If you hate what you're doing, it's really hard to do it for 30 or 40 years consistently. It's really hard to hate 65% of your life every single day. So I urge you to find something you're passionate about and hopefully you get lost in the process of it and you love doing it and you would probably do it for free even if they didn't pay you. I think that's the easiest way to acquire things through just your job. Uh, because it doesn't feel like it's work to you 
most of the time, or at least a lot of the time, even though it is, you're loving doing it. Number three, make mistakes. Mistakes are the spell books of success. Study them hard. Learn from your fuck-ups and get stronger the next time. That's what we do in the gym. We train, we break down muscle, we fail on sets, we missed on a lift, but we're growing. It's kind of pushing your body that failure point. That's what makes you stronger. That's what elicits change. And I'm not saying, you know, make a ton of financial mistakes, but you don't have to try to do that. You've probably already done it in your previous, you know, life, as I call it, before I was this person. Um, I didn't have a lot of money, so I couldn't make a ton of mistakes. But if you do, you invest in, you know, something stupid, whether it be real estate or, you know, you uh, were emotional with your investments. You sold, like a lot of people this year sold everything when the market I think was like at 26 or 7 and then went all the way the Dow and went away down to like 17 people panicked and sold a bunch of stock it's like the market is going to just it's it's opinions it's feelings it goes off of the news right or what you know what's projected but when a company like let's say Amazon makes or loses money it doesn't mean the company's more valuable or less valuable in the same day it's just somebody's opinion about it does that make sense like if marriott hotels goes up or down in stock it doesn't mean the hotel company is worthless within a day or more valuable in a day it's just people's perception of it so it's okay to make mistakes but just learn from them and don't fear that the world and the sky is falling 24 7 365 people are really leery of the stock market sometimes but if you believe, for me, I always ask myself, if you believe in America and you believe people are going to still go to work and people are going to still build businesses, I think you can still invest in it. That's kind of my take on it. But if you find yourself or you, you bought a house that was, you know, you know, too big for you or too much, I guess, you, you bought too much house, you became house poor, you can learn from that mistake. If you went and bought a brand new car, which I'm not a fan of personally, but you went out and bought a brand new vehicle and you drove it off the lot and you lost $10,000, you can learn from that mistake. There's certain things along the way you can learn. It's like putting your hand in a stove and you burn it. You don't got to do it more than once to know it was a stupid decision. It's the same thing here. Number four, plant seeds. Basic garden math we're talking about. 1% of the seeds turn into 50% of the flowers. So plant a lot of seeds, my friends. That can be anywhere across the board. If we're talking investments, it's how you guys diversify your money. Um, probably getting a financial advisor would be uh, the best choice if you're not, you know, a gamer and you're not going to sit and day trade. And I don't uh, do my own investments. I give my input a lot, but obviously we have an advisor and a CPA and a whole team that kind of helps me navigate this. And I learn as much as possible and try to be as educated as I can, but I just think it's valuable for you to have uh, an expert in your corner that you trust and just plant your seeds around and things that you believe in and like when we or if we're talking about like investing in the market I like to invest in things that I like and things that I enjoy and things that I use so if you're a person who likes to go to hotels and take trips maybe you invest in like a Marriott maybe you invest in a Netflix maybe you invest in Apple or an Under Armour or whatever your thing is things that you like and there's always going to be you know things outside of America too Hence why you have an advisor to kind of diversify your portfolio. So that means when the market goes up or down, you don't completely lose your ass on everything. It's common sense. Number five, be around people who are kind to you and that love you. Other people will make you unhappy, unkind, 
and unsuccessful. And other people will make you kind, will make you happy and make you successful. And we talked about this yesterday in the podcast with Heather. You are the average of the five people you associate with the most. So if you hang out with five millionaires who are kind and generous with their money and giving, odds are you'll be the average of that person. If you hang around five people who are dead broke and assholes and negative and always acting like, you know, the world is against them, you'll probably be the average of those five people. I rarely see a group of four really financially successful, nice, awesome humans hanging out with a person who's just an asshole, who doesn't get it. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I'm talking about your, you know, your close circle, the one that you can really be honest with and the one you spend the most time with. You're always going to have a friend who doesn't get it and does things against the grain and you can't tell them otherwise. And it doesn't mean you're not friends with them, but you can't hang around with a bunch of those people. It's just like fitness. Like if you want to be fit, you can't hang out with, you know, a bunch of people who are 400 pounds who just drink and do drugs all day. You're just not going to fit in, you know, real recognizes real as Jay-Z once said. Number six, stand next to the smartest person in the room. There's two things on this list that I do really well. This is one of them. Standing next to the smartest person in the room. Now, everybody's an expert in, you know, something, or at least, you know, they're proficient in something, what they do for their career. In terms of how I'm talking about it, everybody's obviously not an expert. But if you've been a nurse for 30 years, you might not be an expert, but you know a little bit about nursing. If you've been a teacher for 50 years, you might not be an expert, but you know a little bit about teaching because you've done it for that long. And the industries haven't jaded you and they haven't worn you down. So you've learned some things along the way. I always say this, anybody in fitness who's been doing it for over 10 years, even if you're a complete idiot and you're in it for all the wrong reasons and you haven't been jaded by all the things that have went on, you've learned a couple things along the way. And I'll give you credit for at least sticking it out for that long. And experience is a great learning tool. Even when you're not looking for it, you learn things about people and your craft along the way. And so one of the things that I probably did well is I do stand next to the smartest person in the room. I'm lucky here. We work with people that I like. Everybody here is cool. A lot of times they teach me uh, way more about life than I teach them. Uh, in that, they might not even have to say things most of the time. I can just listen to their interactions, listen to how they share their stories about their work and their life and the balance and everything with it. And if you're looking over time, a lot of people do this. Steve Jobs did it with Steve Wozniak. You know, Craig Silverstein did it with Larry Page. Kanye West did it with Jay-Z. You know, a lot of people do this, and you're the guy who's next to the guy. And all of a sudden, boom. And not that these people didn't have talent. Obviously, Kanye is, you know, well, now he's a little different, but he's super talented. There's no debating it. If you go back and listen to the first albums, I'm a hip-hop head, obviously. So if you're talking like college dropout, when I'm in college, I mean, that thing is ridiculous. He's doing through the wire. He raps with his mouth shut. It is amazing. Like, And he's making beats before that. And obviously, we all know Steve Jobs. So you're going to make money. You're going to be successful whatever you do if you're doing this. It's, you know, I always say if you're always walking into rooms and you're the smartest person in the room, you're walking in the wrong rooms, around the wrong people. Again, I can't stress it enough just listening and observing and surrounding yourself by people who are doing what you want to do is one of the best ways to be successful in anything. I'm not just talking about being financially successful. I'm talking about life. 
if you want to be an awesome person, have awesome friends. It's, it sounds overly simplistic, you guys, but oftentimes the greatest advice is the simplest. So stand next to the smartest person in the room and surround yourself by people who are kind and care about you and love you. You'll go a long way. Number seven, no excuses. Blaming is draining and complaining is draining. Explaining is draining. You don't have enough inner plumbing for all the draining that's going on. We talk about it here all the time. You can be a fountain or you can be a drain. Don't be a drain, you guys. Don't make excuses of why you can't do something. Successful people don't do that. Not in finance, not in fitness, or anything in between. Number eight, don't be in a rush, man. Every overnight success that I've ever met, it took them 10 to 20 years to get there, if not more. But only if we would celebrate the small successes along the way. That's the key. And if you're talking finances, don't be in a rush. I um, I forget the Warren Buffett quote exactly, and I'll share something from him uh, later on. But I think uh, I like read a transcript where like Jeff Bezos went to Warren Buffett, which both guys are billionaires, obviously. And he came to him and said, you know, why don't more people take your advice? Uh, Warren, Jeff is asking him on investing. He's like, because nobody wants to get rich slow. And truer words have probably never been said. I probably say the same thing for me in fitness. Like, why don't you follow Jeremy's advice? Well, nobody wants to get fit slowly. Except the difference is, you know, becoming a millionaire might take you, you know, 10 times as long as becoming super fit, but you can become super fit in probably a year or less, if you're really diligent with how you eat and how you train. That's the beauty of it. But most people don't want to buy a year-long program. They want something in 14 days or 22 days or 47-day transformation, if you will. And that's the first thing I say in the program. Like, in 47 days, I'm not asking you to go from 400 pounds to Beyonce. I'm asking you to make some lifestyle habits that you can have with you for the next 30 years, the next 47 years, the next 47 months, so you can build on that. You have a foundation of skills. It's the same thing here. So if you guys are looking to be financially successful or independent and wealthy, don't be in a rush. And I would also add, don't do it just, don't do things just for the money. Don't do tasks in your life just for, some things you will, obviously, if you're an Uber driver and you're just trying to make a couple bucks as a side hustle to pay off debt, that's fine. But don't do every single thing in your life just for money and don't make it just transactional. Make it relationship-based. Make your business be relationship-based. Even if it is transactional, uh, you know, I guess, how do I say this? If it's naturally transactional, where you don't do exactly what I do for a living here, make it relationship-based. Get to know people. Give a shit about them. Try to provide them the best service, the best product, or whatever you're doing. I promise you, you'll help more people and you'll make more money than you ever thought possible. At least it's been my take. And then what you do with that money, just invest it slowly over time. Most people, if you look at like the average millionaire uh, and what they do, we've talked about this before, they don't live in a $5 million house. They don't drive fancy cars. You know the number one car millionaires drive? If you think about it, what if you ask yourself, if you when you picture like a millionaire, and that's where I wanted to do this because I want to paint a picture. And obviously there's outliers and there's things that are different. I'm not telling you don't drive a nice car. But the average millionaire... The number one car they drive is a Toyota Camry, a used Toyota Camry. It's the most popular car. 
among millionaires. Now, obviously, there's friends of mine here that drive Ferraris, and they got G-Wagons, and they have Range Rovers and Porsches, and that's awesome, too. There's nothing wrong with that. If you've got money, then do it, and you love cars, it's great. Or you can drive a 2008 Honda Accord. It just depends. But if that's going to help you get to a better position quickly, then you could delay the gratification for something. And just understand it probably won't happen overnight. And that's why I bring up the retirement stuff for a lot of people. Compound interest is real. So if your money is doubling, you know, every seven years, every eight years, every nine years, you're going to get there if you just sock away a little bit at a time. And when you don't have a ton of outgoing debts, well, eventually you're not just going to have money in a savings account earning you nothing. You're going to invest it, whether it be in mutual funds or into an IRA or a SEP or whatever your your setup is. And that money will make six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent a year. Some and sometimes in good years, you're talking fifteen, twenty percent and beyond. That's the amazing thing. Or if you're investing in real estate, which what does it historically go up? Three percent per year. And I think depending on obviously Scottsdale's been crazy because of all the things happening here. It's expanding fast. I think home prices are going up six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent a year, some crazy shit like that. So the point is is even if you've got a hundred thousand dollars invested and you get ten percent a year it's only 10 grand. I go, but as that compounds over time, if you got 20 and you're making 10, now I'm making $20,000 a year, you can see how it adds up quickly, but probably not as fast as people want because everybody wants, you know, to be a multimillionaire when they're 25 years old. And I'm sure it happens, but I definitely was not in that boat. It, it took me, you know, a good amount of time to pull my head out of my ass and just put my head down and just work and just grind and save and invest and learn. And it happens. So don't be in a rush. Number nine, solve difficult gratitude problems. If you can find a diamond in the mud, you're going to end up with a lot of diamonds in your life. Solve the difficult gratitude problems. Everything isn't easy. Uh, Most things require work. Being super fit requires you to work. And you can't just be living, you know, in the clouds. Uh, I think, what does Gary Vee always say? Is it clouds or dirt? A lot of people just want to live in the clouds, but you got to be willing to get in the dirt and look for the things. They're going to bring you the most value, the most happiness, uh, the biggest ROI. And oftentimes just doing the dirty work. I share a story here. Um, I got a guy, uh, Brent Orm, if Brent's listening, Brent, hope to see you soon, my man. Uh, But he's owned his own business for a long time. He's helped me a lot along the way, I think for one Christmas, he gave me uh, Dave Ramsey's book. Uh, oh my God, I can't believe I'm, that's how tired I am. My mind is just garbage today. Uh, the Total Money Makeover. He gave me uh, Dave Ramsey's book, Total Money Makeover, I think for Christmas. I think I, I read it in like a day or two days. Uh, I got excited about it. Because again, it, it's okay to say like, everybody, it's like, be, how can you be too fit? You know, like, oh, that person's too fit. They're too happy. Like they have too much money. I don't think that's the thing. If you're an asshole, it's going to, you know, show who you are. But I don't think you can be, you know, it's like having too much. Can you have too much sex? I don't think that's the thing. Like, can your dog be too cute? No. Like, you can't have too much money if you're going to do the right things with it. So I remember I got super jacked when he gave it to me. I'm like, I'm reading it. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, this doesn't seem that hard. I'm like, it was so basic. I'm like, this doesn't seem that ridiculous to me. I'm like, I'm, I'm willing to work hard. Hard. I'm willing to grind. I'm willing to hustle to, you know, not be in debt and not, you know, have to worry about if my shitty ass car blows up, I can fix it. Like, that's what I'm talking about what money can do. It can buy you a sense of just 
security, at least in terms of finances. And it can just, you don't have to worry every single day when you got a little bit saved, if something goes wrong. And as we've seen it, like any time of life in 2020, things tend to sometimes not go perfectly. So it buys you, you know, an umbrella for a rainy day. And it's going to rain, even in Scottsdale, once in a while, it's going to rain for sure. So I share that because uh, Brent obviously has been an influence on me in terms of this. He's told me a lot of things that he's done wrong, a lot of things that he's done right. But the one thing that stuck with me is he's running a business that obviously is making you know a lot of money. He has employees. He's doing well, lives close to here. Uh, his wife is a doctor, crushing it. But one day he came in, he's like, you know what? I still will go to the job sometimes that nobody else will do. And he goes, he was sharing a story where they made money, lost money, and he's making it. He goes, but I still go to this uh, he does like a lot of power washing, sandblasting, things like that. He goes, I go to this one of those roadside stops, and he's like, I was in there just cleaning toilets, you know, like power scrubbing and washing the toilets for like, I forget what he told me, like three or 400 bucks, which doesn't seem that glamorous. But this is a dude who's already a millionaire, who's already, you know, successful, but yet he's willing to get in the mud because that job might turn into another job. That job might turn into a referral. That job might turn into something consistently one of his guys can do, but he was the one who showed up that day and did it. A millionaire scrubbing toilets. That shit does happen. And that's what I'm talking about, solving these difficult problems, like doing things that you maybe think, well, I'm above that. Never think that. I coach, and again, this year has been very humbling for sure uh, for a lot of us in a lot of areas, myself as well. And I've always thought that, though, whether there's two people here or 27 people here, I'm going to coach the same. Whether the podcast has one listener or a thousand listeners or 10,000 listeners or a hundred thousand listeners or a million, I'm going to speak my truth the same to try to help people. You're never above it. That's the point. So just know there are millionaires out there who are still scrubbing toilets and doing the dirty work. Number 10, Warren Buffett's 525 rule. Make a list of 25 things you want to do in your life. Now do the top five. And never think about the other 20 ever again. And because if you do, that's going to take away from the five that are the most important. And that's kind of the key. We have these giant laundry lists of things. Just do do the top five. Personally, for me, I think that's a good outline to follow. I tend to just pick one thing and I focus on it. I might have other, you know, small tributary goals out of it. So maybe I do have five, I guess, if I really think about it. But it's like one. If Heather and I sat down, I'm like, we're going to pay off our house. I'm like, fuck it. You know, we're going to pay off our house in 24 months. We're going to do it by my 37th birthday, whatever. Obviously did it, you know, way before that. Because the snowball effect is real. Dave Ramsey shares it all the time. The debt snowball. Pay off your debts, smallest to biggest. It builds momentum. It builds confidence. And then you just keep crushing it. It's kind of how we coach fitness. Shallow end, deep end. We don't put you on the salt bike and say do 100 cows in five minutes. We put you on the salt bucket and say, hey, just do the best you can for the next five minutes and we'll see where we're at. But that builds confidence. And the next day we do two more cows and five more cows and so on. Eventually you get the confidence, you build the strength, and you're crushing it here if you're a crazy person and who loves pain. With a debt, like a debt snowball, you pay off your debt smallest to biggest and you, oh, I paid off that credit card. Oh, I paid off that small student loan. Oh, I'm going to pay off my car. And you go down the list. So, I like to focus on one big goal and maybe a couple small ones outside of that, like pay off our house, save for an emergency fund, save for a vehicle, or whatever your thing is. Invest 20% of your income into retirement. There's certain things that are going to be important to you, but you list off 
25 things you kind of want to do in your life financially, if you can even have a list that big or, the, or your top, you know, 15, and then scrap the 10, just focus on the five. Because if you're trying to do number 25, while you're trying to do number one, it's going to take you so much longer to get there. I don't think we have the bandwidth for that. At least I don't. You guys are probably much smarter and more talented than me, but I can't. Number 11, write down 10 ideas a day. This actually turns into a superpower. Do this for six months straight and see what happens. Write down 10 ideas per day. And it can be anything. This can be wants. These can be goals. These can be just things that randomly pop into your brain. Just 10 ideas. I'm not talking about just money. Like 10 ideas you have. My desk, if you ever come in here um, and it's clean, you know I've just had a very productive day of getting rid of... Uh, a bunch of clutter in my brain. If you come in here on a normal day and you look at my desk, it is filled with post-its. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight post-its here right now. One on Monica's desk of mine and then one giant sheet of paper. And these are just ideas for programs, for books, for videos, for podcasts, reminders to myself to message people for collaborations and different things. I just have stuff, obviously I'm crazy, running through my brain all the time. But I've gotten this habit of writing things down. Or what I do if I'm in my car, honestly, I'm in a stoplight, I'll turn the phone on, and I don't do their voice record because I like to do the video because I like to see my face when I do it for some weird reason. But I'll video myself real quick and I'll just ramble on. Like, hey, idea today. We're going to go uh, Colorado gym podcast. Uh, and I'll, that's what will pop in my head because I read an article about what Colorado gyms are doing and they have all these statistics. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to tie that into this. And so I want to capture it in real time. So if you have an idea, whether it's in the shower, when you're taking a dump, when you're driving your car, write down that and try to write down at least 10 ideas per day, 10 thoughts, and just keep them in a journal so you can go back to them six months and see the progression of what's going on. What trends are there? What things are sticking out? What things are important? What things look crazy? And I promise you, it can help you. And I know it sounds really weird to say, but when your mind is free and when you become inspired and you can look at the things that are driving your thought patterns, you're going to end up being successful in a lot of things when you can start to really kind of drill down into what you're thinking about, why you're thinking about it, and why it's important to you. And that's the beauty of us being humans. We can have thoughts about our thoughts. No other mammal can do that, as far as I know. Number 12, follow up. I'm... Uh, I don't want to say I'm a shy person, uh, but I'm an introvert for sure. But the one thing I have forced myself to do is follow up with people. Um, don't be bad at it. Don't get lazy with it. Send an email. Send a text. You have to do this with everything. If you're trying to build relationships with people, you have to be good at follow up with everything. You have to be on people. You have to be diligent. Um, I probably do this the best of anybody I personally know. I'm sure there's people who are, are better than me, but I don't have any friends that do it better. And obviously we have a lot of automated systems here, but I try not to miss anybody. I try to return every DM that's not crazy or like, you know, some girl's boobs or some guy's dick hanging out. I have, I can't reply to those. Um, but I, I reply to, uh, we got a lot of messages this week. Uh, I reply to every DM that I can, I can be helpful, every email. Every person who comes in here, I email them. I want to thank them for coming in, answering their questions. I do it if we're ever doing anything with my financial advisor, with our CPA, with 
you know, any partnerships we do with Athletic Greens or uh, Beam or JLab, I always try to follow up and be on top of everything. It's going to help you be successful. I promise you that. And it, it forces you to create a checklist every single day of what you're looking at and what's important to you. It just helps build better relationships. And it knows, it helps people know they can count on you. I probably do it, when I say I do it the best, I mean like I piss off the most people for sure. And what I mean is, if I'm trying to get something done, I will literally go John Wick on you. You know, just have this sheer, you know, unbreakable will where I'll just be like, I need the answer. I want to figure it out. If there's a problem, I want to fix it. I'm just on top of it all the time. I think it makes you a gamer. There's a lot of people I work with. Mike D, who I mentioned before, gamer. Matt Sizemore, who's a huge part of our business, who nobody gets to see or talk to or knows. If he's ever in Scottsdale, I'm going to get him on the podcast for sure. Um, but he's a huge part of our business on the back end of it. All the things that make it run, he is a very important piece of it. But he is a gamer when it comes to follow-up. That's why I love working with him. And I know I don't have to message him more than once. He will get back to me. So I do believe follow-up is key. Uh, it's a key habit of business. It's a key habit of relationships. It's a key habit of being successful in basically everything you do in life. Number 13 brings me to the other thing I do really well next to stand next to the smartest person in the room. Ask questions. This I do. I am not afraid to look like I'm stupid. I'm not afraid to look like I don't know. I'm not afraid to look like I'm dumb. I don't think my questions are ridiculous. I ask questions because there are far more questions in the world than answers. There are far more questions in the world than answers. And opportunities are buried in questions. Facts can be outsourced, but opportunities, my friends, are always buried in questions. And if you want to be successful and you want to do something someone else is doing, ask them for their advice. Ask them to share their experience. Ask them for their expertise. That's why I always say, like, you want to know what somebody does, how they live in that house, how they drive that car, ask them. If they're going to be honest with you, some people are just bullshitters. They lease everything, they rent everything, they don't have any real wealth, they just, they look rich, um, they look financially successful, but they're not really interested in being financially successful. And I'm not bagging on anybody here, don't take offense to this, but I'd rather be financially independent and be financially successful than look like it. I'd rather, you know, that I, I believe that in my core. Um, it's not about, you know, and again, I'm not against stuff. I'm not against people being flashy and fancy. If you like fancy cars, buy them. And if you got the money, cool. Or you can do what I do. Like, it, there's no right or wrong. But I will, I'm more concerned about actually being it than looking it for show. It's like when you're super fit and, like, you know you're fit and you know you're healthy and you know your body functions great, you don't have to show it every second of the day. And yeah, I know we do shirtless stuff for Instagram. It's for business and for reach, whatever. When you come here, 99% of the time, I'm wearing pants and a hoodie and a baseball hat. I don't work out, you know, with the shirt off. Like I don't, it's not what we do. Um, I don't have to do that. I know what kind of shape I'm in. I know how I feel. It's like when you drive a Ferrari, you don't have to floor it at every single stoplight because people know. The power's there if you got to touch it. Now, if you're driving something else, like maybe you have to do it to overcompensate and feel confident. But if if you have it, you don't have to do that. You feel comfortable. And I think that's what a lot of people do. They get confused at like what being financially successful is and looking like you're financially successful. We call it the $30,000 millionaire. 
The guy makes 30k a year, but he's driving a BMW. He's got the fancy watch and the clothes, and he goes and pulls it into his apartment that he rents. I'm not judging, but the car that you're leasing, or <laughs> even if you own it, the car you own shouldn't be worth more than like the house you're living in. I think that's kind of backwards, right? Or what I always would say to myself when I was younger, because again, we all like stuff. Like I just don't like the fancy of the fancy cars. I don't care. Like if it's a nice truck, sure, I'll drive it. But again, like I also don't need it like in the moment. But I always said to myself, I'm like, if my vehicle is worth way more than what's in like in my investments in my retirement accounts, I go, there's a problem here. So if I have a $60,000 vehicle, but I got $22,000 in a 401k, there's probably an issue. At least that's how I felt. And then I thought, okay, well, then when you get to the point where you have real money, you got 300,000, 400,000, half a million bucks in your, you know, IRA. Okay, now you can probably go buy a $50,000 car if you want to, and all your other debts are paid and those things. That's kind of how I went about it. Because I always ask myself the question, like, do you want to be, you know, financially successful, or do you want to look like it? I always said, I'd rather be about it than look about it, but that's me. And that comes down to, that's asking, that's self-questioning. The way that I look at this with asking questions, ask questions of the guys who did it before. Hey, Rick, you seem to be crushing it. You know, you got a fancy house. You got a super nice car. What did, how did you do this? How did you get there? What's the biggest financial mistake you ever made? You know, what's the best thing you ever did with your money? Or the way I look at it is not the people who have the stuff, the people who have the freedom, the people who look like they're the happiest. I ask those people the questions because a lot of times there's a synergy there. Hey, man you know, you do really well at your job. You take a lot of trips. You know, you can create free time when you want to. You feel like, you know, you're in a place where you can help other people. What is the, what's the best three things you ever did with your money? What's the dumbest two things you ever did? If you could go back in time, what would you do differently? Those are the questions that I've asked people here for a decade. And that's helped me more than anything. Don't buy too much house. Live broke as long as you can. Don't spend all your money on cars. Like all these things, never buy a new vehicle. These are all things that I've heard here from people I consider friends now and colleagues, but who've taught me a lot along the way. And I think that's the habits of most people who end up being financially successful. They ask questions. They're standing on the shoulders of giants. They don't have to reinvent the wheel. Number 14, 1% a day. Whatever you want to get better at, do 1% more each day. 1% a day compounds into 3,800% more a year. That'll help you guys win. That's why I talk about small progress. We don't celebrate the little wins. That's why I bring it back to number eight, don't be in a rush. If you just get 1% better each day, and that compounds over the course of a year, that's 3,800% better. And you're going to win if you get 1% better each day at something you want to improve at. Number 15, Right now, regret will waste time today worrying about yesterday, and anxiety will steal energy from your future. Just focus on right now. 2020 happened. Changed the trajectory for a lot of us forever. Maybe it put you back financially. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you're forced to do you know, a side hustle. Maybe you're out delivering pizzas or you're driving Uber or you're doing something you never thought you'd be doing because of it. Don't worry about that. The past is the past. You can't be looking in the rear view trying to go forward. You'll get in a wreck. You'll, you'll crash. You'll never make it there. You just got to focus on right now. 
And don't worry about the 19 negative things that could happen next year because we could do that every fucking year. Don't watch the news, which we've talked about, because they're always going to play the chicken little. The sky is falling. Everything is terrible. It's awful. The best days are behind us. Everything ahead is dark and awful, and your life sucks, and it's over. But that's horse shit. You probably, if you woke up today here, it's a little cold out for me, but it's sunny. It's nice. People are out having a good time, living life, exercising, you know, doing it the best they can. Regret of past decisions is going to waste time. And anxiety is going to steal from you being able to be free and plan for the future. So just let this shit go. You can't control every single thing that's going to happen. All you can do is control how you react to it and put yourself in the best position to be successful. Brings me back to, for me personally, if we're talking tactical stuff, have an emergency fund. If you don't have one, try to build one right now. And that's probably three to six months of expenses for most of you guys, depending on what you're, you know, assess the risk, you know, and how, you know, dangerous you want to live and how, you know, close to the thread you want to be. So what I mean is if you and your wife and you and your family didn't have income coming in for 90 to 180 straight days, probably the time it would take you to get a job, maybe you could probably find one sooner if it was like part-time stuff, hustling, just to kind of, you know, get some income coming in. But and not have to, you know, probably stop all your retirement or whatever it may be. I would sell you to have an emergency fund of three to six months of expenses. So what does your and you should have it? You should be budgeting already. You have a PL sheet for your business. You have a PL sheet for your house. It's pretty simple. When I say PL, I'm talking profit and loss. If you guys really don't know the jargon here, how much money is going out of your house every single month and how much is coming in? And then if none was coming in, how much would you need in an emergency fund, which you only touch for emergencies, to cover that? So is three months $9,000? Is it $15,000? Is it $18,000? Is six months thirty k? Is it fifty k? I don't know. I don't know what you got your guys in and out is, but I would urge you to do that. That will help you not worry so much about the future for sure because you know you have an umbrella for a rainy day and hopefully it focuses you not to think about the past 24 7 365 if you made a mistake that's fine we all do we fuck up we fail we're humans we learn i make more mistakes than most i've done more dumb shit than anybody listening here i promise you that i still was able to come back from it and i do less dumb shit now than i used to but still not 100 percent, and i never will be number 16 you got to sleep you really do. Uh, sleep rejuvenates your brain cells, heals your body, reduces anxiety, and your brain is your most powerful tool. It really is. You need it to be active. You need it to be on. You got to be sharp. Hence why I'm a bumbling idiot today because I stayed up till midnight. I get a, I got enough sleep. It's just a, it's not my normal routine. So I would say throw it into a normal routine here too. Um. But I do think it's crucial. I think if you look at people, they think like, oh, everybody who's a millionaire, you know, they don't sleep. They're up, you know, they only sleep in two hours a night. No, they're not. Not the successful ones. Not the happy ones. And you notice when I said the successful millionaires, you can be financially wealthy and be a, just a complete failure. I believe that. You can be financially wealthy and be a complete asshole. You can be financially wealthy and be a failure at everything else other than making money. And that's what I mean. Like, being super tired and never getting good sleep is not a badge of honor. I mistakenly did this very early in my career. We would come into the office, me, Dave, and Ben, and be like, sleep is the new broke. 
We literally would say that. Um, I don't know where we got that. Is it, was it like, was it Eric Thomas or like 50 or something? And there is something to be said about that. Yeah, sometimes you're going to have to stay up and grind. And if you're sleeping 10 hours a night, it's probably not ideal. But sleeping four hours a night isn't ideal either. Now, obviously, some humans can get by on less. Most of you guys probably six to seven hours a night. But there's, I don't look at it as like, oh, if you don't sleep a lot, you're going to be super successful because you're working. No, what you can do is cut out things like watching, you know, binging a whole series on Netflix for a day or watching seven hours of football. Still get your quality sleep. And you'll be able to make money and be successful in life, but don't don't skimp on the sleep, dude. Uh, you're gonna pay a way bigger price in the long run. Number seventeen. Every day, avoid death. You can't get rich from a hospital bed or a grave. Move your body every day. Sleep well. Eat well. Be an awesome person. Exercise. Walk. Make fitness a priority. It doesn't matter, to the same note, it doesn't matter how much money you got. The caskets are all the same size, dude. And if you make millions and millions of dollars, what's it worth for you? You can't take it with you. And if you can't enjoy it because you're sick and you feel like shit, what's it worth? The 20 habits of eventual millionaires is they're healthy people. A majority of them. And people are, oh, well, I know this guy, he makes a ton of money. I'm sure you do. I'm talking about the successful ones and the ones that you want to be. Not the ones who came before you and did it wrong, gave up their whole life and drank and smoked and stressed out because they made money. Not that shit. Not the guys who are ridiculous. I'm not talking to multi-multi-billionaires. Even some of those dudes, when you look at them, like, they seem to kind of put the pizzas into play. Because they've mastered all these other habits. And it wasn't just focused on money. It was focused on the process. I think that's the biggest key. But every day you should avoid death. Does that make sense? Like, and what's the easy, what's the best way to do that? Eat right. Drink water exercise, get sleep. Don't stress about every stupid thing. And don't always worry about this, this, this. focus on what you can control today. Being active 30 minutes a day, every single day, three hard ass workouts a week, three by 52, eating mostly real food, not abusing drugs, not abusing alcohol. That's the key to being a successful millionaire eventually. And number 18, do one thing every day you loved as a kid. This is something that can fuel you and can power your life. That's why I always harp on to try to do something you love for a living. That's, to me, the easiest path to becoming a millionaire. I don't give a shit what you do. If you are running a bakery, if you're starting a dog training business, if you are you know, a fitness guy, if you love something and you really get lost in it and immersed in it and you love the process of it and the craft of it and you love helping people and creating and producing, that's the easiest path to get there. So if you do what you hate right now and that's how you're trying to build wealth, it can be done for sure. I got friends who hate what they fucking do and they got a shit ton of money, but they're not happy. They're not successful and that's not the model that I would, you know kind of mold yourself in. I would look at the ones who seem like they have a balanced life and are actually enjoying part of their craft and what they do. So even if you don't like what you do for work at the moment, do one thing you loved every single day as a kid. Do something you love every single day. For me, like, I love fitness. I love movement. I love playing. I love rap music. I love this. Um, so I feel like I'm always kind of winning and doing the things I'm supposed to do. And that's why I say, man, if you really find something that you enjoy, You'll pour your all into it. You'll pour yourself into it. You'll try to become the best at your craft. You'll try to help the most people. 
you'll learn about it, you'll think about it, you'll study about it, you'll dream about it, you'll write 19 different post-its about it. That's the best way to do it, is just find some things you love over time. And that's it. 18 habits of eventual millionaires. Now, it's probably not the way uh, you thought the podcast would go. You probably sit and say, well, if you invest 15% of your income over time, starting at age 25, if it compounds uh, every year over seven years and it doubles on itself and you keep adding up more income, you guys will end up with $2.6 million by the time you're 59 and a half. Yeah, that stuff's all cool too. If you pay off your house, and I can pull up all the statistics. We can do a lot of those things too. We've done a lot of podcasts on finance before, but I want to touch on not just the tactical things because that's black and white and I'll share I'll do an episode maybe like on retirement or something just because if you guys are interested but I wanted to do the habits of the things I've seen here from people over a decade and the ones who have done it my opinion right the ones who have done it wrong the ones who seem happy the ones who seem stressed but generally speaking these would be 18 things that are going to put you in the position to be successful. And I am a fan of not always focusing on the end goal. It's fine to have it, but focusing on the process to get there. And what process is that? It's these habits. These 18 things all put together. And again, for most people, uh, being a millionaire is like the magic number. Like, oh, you have a net worth of a million dollars. You're now a millionaire. That's super cool. And it's a great milestone. Um, It's something to be celebrated for sure. you probably won't even know the day that it happens. Uh, either you'll have real estate investments that go up or mutual funds or something in your retirement went crazy. And then you'll add up like, wow, I don't owe any money on my house anymore. Am I, holy shit, my net worth is $1.7 million. Or if you're somewhere where you have to fill out a form, whether it be like for credit or for a bank or something like that, that's usually when it will come to light and it'll be like, holy shit, I'm a millionaire. I've been walking around. You never knew because it's not something that we throw a parade for. It's not something that's like, this crazy thing. Very, very few people honestly get there because they they make a lot of the wrong decisions. But the ones who are diligent and just kind of live a life that's, you know, responsible and they work and they hustle and grind, they for surely can get there. Uh, And again, does it make you an awesome person? No. Is it the ultimate measure of financial success? No, it's not. But I know a lot of people, we've put a lot of onus on it. There's certain uh, benchmarks we have in the world, like, oh, so-and-so graduated from college, so-and-so makes $100,000 a year, so-and-so, you know, did whatever. And this just happens to be one of those things that you heard as a kid. And I think, you know, probably in 1970, uh, you know, being a millionaire had a different connotation. Now, obviously, with the way everything costs and what it is, it's like, it's kind of crazy how, you know, the wording is still the same, but it hasn't changed. And, you know, there's levels, obviously, to being a millionaire too, right? Like, so if you're a millionaire and your net worth is $1 million or your net worth is $900 million, that's two different levels. And every, you know, dollar that goes up, it, it kind of changes drastically. You know, the difference between $2 million and $12 million is is pretty big. Two different lifestyles probably, uh, two different homes, two different cars. But, again, some people are just basic and they just they don't do it just because of the money. And some people just give it away. Some people do it with fancy vehicles. There's no right or wrong answer. But if you're looking to be financially independent and be financially you know, successful and just have a little bit more security in terms of money in your life and not have to worry and, and stress, these would be the 18 habits how you kind of acquire it over time. And that's why I say don't just focus on just the dollars, but focus on these small tactics. Um, ask the right questions. Hang out with the right, right people. You know, don't... Uh, don't spend way more uh, than you make is, is a great one. 
uh, you know, pay off your debts. If you do, if your person uses credit, you know, use it obviously responsibly. Uh, and just don't be in a rush, man. And uh, you'll get there for sure. And if you made mistakes, look at why you made them, how you made them, and just learn from them in the future. And you guys will be there. Take it from a dude like me who wants you to be dead broke. It can happen. And I'm not that smart. So if I can do it, all of you guys can do it too. So hopefully you guys found that uh, to be helpful and uh, resourceful for sure. If you want to dig in on anything else specific in terms of that, I'm happy to help. I'm happy to even bring like my financial advisor on uh, to do a Q&A with him if you guys think that would be helpful. I just I did this one today because it was it was in my, my list of Q for a podcast and I had a guy actually message me uh, that his wife owned a business and he thought it was, you know, helpful because we've shared some things in the past about, you know, what I think about buying, you know, new cars, uh, the podcast we did about paying off our house and then just, you know, 15 uh, financial success tips and some other ones we've done that I like to parallel. So it was an interest of mine and hopefully you found it useful. So with that said, reminder, 47 Day Transformation is kicking off here in eight days. If you guys are interested in changing some habits for the better in terms of your physical, your mental, your spiritual, and your emotional fitness, I would get all up on it for sure and be surrounded by a like-minded community of badass humans. The link is in my Instagram bio right now. I'm happy to give you guys a podcast discount code as well if it makes life a little bit easier, save you a couple bucks that you can invest into your future, which will eventually make you a millionaire. So happy to help. Uh, and again, reminder, podcast is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. If you guys want to try Athletic Greens, hit me up. Otherwise, the site is athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. You get a year supply of vitamin D3 and five free travel packs. Or if you really want it, I'll have Monica send a pack right to your front door. I don't care where you live. We will get it to you. Then you can try it and hit me up. And also my homies over at Beam CBD. It's the CBD I take every single night for better sleep. It has that little bit of the powder, especially that little cinnamon, uh, you know, cocoa flavor. Otherwise, you guys can get the capsules as well. They both work. But it's got the CBD. It's got the melatonin in there. It will not get you high, but it will help you sleep. It's not habit forming. If you want three free nights to try, hit me up. I'll send you the link for that. And I can always get you 20% off everything on the site, the tincture, the salve, all their dream products for sleep, all their stuff for anxiety. It is there for you. So appreciate you guys. If you find yourselves on iTunes right now, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. Drop me a five-star, leave a comment. I truly would appreciate it. And you think the podcast can help a friend or family member, share it with them. It means more than you know. So thank you guys. I'm wishing you an amazing start to, uh, to 2021 for sure. Uh, I thought I had something else crazy to share today, but maybe not. I will dig into it maybe later this weekend. So I appreciate you guys. Have an amazing rest of your New Year's Day. New Year, new you. And let's not worry about the past. Let's just keep it funky and fun moving forward. So until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.